Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much, Jesus, that you are here. Jesus, that, that this is your church. God, that at the end of the day, our lives are yours. God, even down to the breath that we breathe, it is yours. God, nobody walks in today without total need for you. Whether we realize it or not, God, uh, if you don't breathe out, we don't breathe in. And so, Father, I pray that, that God, you would move, God, when, in, in hearts, where, regardless of where people are. Maybe they're just checking church out. Maybe it's part of a New Year's resolution. Maybe they are trying to bring some real change in their life, or they come here every week. I don't know why people are here today, God, but you do. It is no accident that every soul has found themselves in their seat today. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to us in a way that only you can. Jesus, I thank you that you can do more right now than I ever could, never will. And so, God, I just give this to you because it was yours already. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, all right, so hopefully you got uh, open to the book of Ephesians. But before we jump in there, um, let me ask you, uh, ask you a question. How, how many of you have either known, maybe you've known someone that either has gone through or is going through what we call an identity crisis. How many of you have ever known someone, either they've went through one, or maybe they're going through one right now, they're sitting next to you, you're a little nervous about that, I'm asking them, you're like, it's right here. Anybody ever know somebody, yeah, that, and I, a little identity crisis, a couple hands, hands uh, going up, maybe one of those hands that, uh, that went up or didn't go up uh, are parents, Right? parents in the room, because uh, cause you can remember when your kids, you know, they, they loved you, they thought you hung the moon, it was, it was great in the house, and then all of a sudden, it was as if somebody flipped a switch and your child was just possessed by the devil. Do you remember that? You, some of you, let's just be real, man, let's just be real. We're in church. I, this might be for not all parents, but it's for some parents. Parents, remember when you used to like your kids, Right? Right? You can look at your spouse. I remember we used to love them. Now we are selling them. Right? You just, you just remember because something happened. I mean, they, I mean they, it's just like they were possessed by the devil. I don't know what happened, uh, but maybe that's them right now. You think about your kids and you're thinking, man, that's somebody that's going through an identity crisis. Or, or maybe, uh, maybe, it's not a, uh, maybe it's not a parent. Maybe, maybe you're here, ladies uh, who are married. Let me talk to you for just a moment. Maybe, uh, ladies, you're married and your husband uh, is wearing clothing that, let's just say, it's not age appropriate. Right? Right? Uh, maybe, maybe well, let's even get more honest. Maybe you're here, ladies, and you're married and, and your husband's here with you. Maybe he's at home. And, and, you, and you know his hair color, that's not his real hair color, is it? Right? He's just trying, he's just reaching for it, right? You know, he's, he's, he's going to the beach. He walks out of the dressing room and he's wearing a Speedo. How's this look, babe? How's this look? Seriously, looks good, doesn't it? Right? He, he's wearing clothing that no human being should ever wear, right? That's, that's an identity crisis, right? Or, or maybe, um, maybe you know somebody, maybe you know somebody and they are different around certain people. Do you know people like that? I'm sure nobody in this room does anything like that. We're upstanding. We're different than those people, right? But do you know people who maybe they act a little different around certain people, right? Right, that's, that's an identity crisis. And see, you, if, you took a, uh, if you took a dictionary and you looked up the phrase identity crisis, you'd see that that phrase, it means, it means a season or a prolonged period of time of uncertainty about one's identity. Uh, a season or a prolonged period of time of uncertainty, confusion about one's identity. 
And see, we're in part two of a series that we started uh, last week. Obviously, we started last week. Today's part two. I'll let the mathematicians figure that one out. Uh, but we're in part two of a series called Brand New. And, and what we're doing in this series, we're in the book of, of Ephesians. And, and what we're doing every week in this series, we're talking about the issue of identity. And, and when we say identity, what we mean is, is that thing or things that, that define you, that give you value that you're building your life on. We said this last week, you can go to our website and download the podcast. You shouldn't assume that whatever that is, is Jesus. Okay? But everybody in the room, we're all building our identity on something. And really what's driving us in this series is the idea that God doesn't simply forgive us for our sins. He also gives us a new identity. As great as it is that God forgives us for our sins, we praise God for that, but God also gives us a brand new identity. And Christians can have an identity crisis too, can't they? Christians can have an an identity crisis so that we forget who we are in Christ and we begin to live out of some other identity, maybe who we used to be. So I'll give you an example. We won't elaborate on it. But, But every time we sin, Every time we sin, it's a matter of an identity crisis. Because we talked about this last week. God says, I'm holy, blameless, and chosen. But every time I sin, I'm going back to who I was, not living in light of who I am in Christ. Sin is always an identity problem. It's always an identity crisis. I'll give you another example, and this is where where we're going to camp out today. Um, Christians have an identity crisis Every time they look at the world, every time they look at the world or the region that that we live in, and and every time we look at where we live or the world, and we say things like this, it's a mess. Things are bad out there. Things are bad. It's a mess. Things just seem to get worse. And then we say this, somebody should do something. It's, it's a mess. Things are getting worse. It's getting really bad. Somebody in Washington should fix this. Somebody should do something. Not me. I mean, it's just little old me. I've got a relationship with Jesus. Somebody other than me should do something. Or maybe on the other end of that, you look at the world and you think, you know what? It's too messed up. It, it's too far gone. There's no hope. Jesus, can you come back before some sinner touches me and I get what they've got and just burn this place to the ground because there is no hope. And both of those are an identity crisis. Because the entire time we're looking at the world saying someone should do something, Jesus is, is in heaven looking at us saying you should do something. You should be the change. You should step into a dark world and be the light that I've told you that you already are. Every time we look to somebody else and think somebody should do something, Jesus looks at us and says, you should do something because you're the church. And so here's what I want us to see today. I want us to see three things, three things about about our identity, who we are, because last week we said that God gives us a new identity. God gives me a new identity once I give my life to Jesus, gives you a new identity once you give your life to Jesus. But but God doesn't just give us individuals new identity. Once we come to Jesus, he gives all of us collectively together a new identity. And that new identity that he gives us is the church. 
And so we're going to be in three different passages from the book of Ephesians today. And, and every one of those, I want, us to see, I want us to see about who we are in Christ collectively together. So if you've got your Bible open, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2. And this is really going to be easy today because what we're going to do, we're going to be in Ephesians 2, then Ephesians 3, and then Ephesians 4. Three points that I want you to see today. And the first thing I want us to see today is who we are. Who we are. So hopefully you got your Bible open, your app turned on to Ephesians chapter 2. And if not, don't worry about it because it's going to be right there on the screen behind me. But we're going to read verses 11 through 22 in Ephesians chapter 2, all right? Here's what Paul says. He says this, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself, he speaking about Jesus, he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man. Hey, if you got your Bible, you should underline that. That's going to be a big phrase for us this morning. That Jesus might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. See, what's happening here, this is the Apostle Paul, and Paul is writing to a church in the city of Ephesus. So there's the name, the book of Ephesians. And he's talking to a group of people who were Gentiles. Say, what's a Gentile? A Gentile was someone that was not a Jew. See, you could really think about people at this day and age in, in two categories. There were Jews, and Jews were God's people. These were God's chosen people. If you were in that club, man, you were in. That's the club you wanted to be in. But if you weren't in that club, tough luck. Everybody not in that club was called a Gentile. And so for the first couple of verses, we talked about this last week, he's just reminding them of the label of who they were. He says, you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. See, the reason that he says that is because the sign that you were in God's people for Jewish men was circumcision. Men, aren't you thankful that Jesus has come? Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen, if you don't, like, what's circumcision? You better ask somebody else because I ain't talking about it this morning. Better ask somebody else. But all the men said amen. Amen. Praise. And they said it with a deep amen. Amen. At this time, it would have been like this. Amen. Um, right? But here's what he's doing. He's just reminding them of who they were because Jews, God's people, were looking at Gentiles and saying this, hey, uncircumcised. 
Hey, you're separated from God. Hey, you've got no hope. Hey, you're far from God. Hey, you're not God's people. And then watch what he does here at the beginning of verse 13. He says this, but now in Christ Jesus. Paul says, you know what? This is the label that you used to wear. This is who you were. You were a Gentile. You were separated from God. You were without hope. But now in Christ. It's made, it's made a, a separate dividing line in their life. It's such a significant moment that these people, Paul is saying, you could look at your life based on who you were before you met Jesus and now who you are in Christ. And listen, that's the same story that's true for a lot of people as you're sitting here today. Some of you, you were separated from God. Some of you, you were far off from God. Some of you, you didn't have hope. You were an addict. You were caught up in that thing. And if we were to read the story of your life, if someone wrote the story of your life, at some point in the story, we would come upon a sentence that starts this way. But now in Christ. You were that, but now in Christ, you're forgiven. You were this, but now in Christ, you were set free. Coming to Jesus, you have to get this. It's such a significant thing. It's as if you can take someone's life and divide it in half. Who they were and then when they met Jesus is so significant, they were different and it's a dividing line. Has that happened to you? Just the way that I'm talking about knowing Jesus and that significant moment, it's a dividing line in your life. Have you met him that way or you just cried one time at church? You just didn't want to go to hell. Have you had that significant dividing line moment where Jesus Christ steps into your life and you can look at your existence and say, that's who I was, but now I'm different. Hey, you know what? Listen, if you can, if you can't see that moment, if that's never happened to you in just a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity to make the most significant decision of your life. And you can leave today having a but now in Christ significant dividing line moment happen for you. And you can leave different than who you were when you walked in. In just a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity for that. But here's what I want us to see this morning. He says in verse 15, By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself, watch this, one new man. That, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And so he's saying this, Jesus came to make one new man. Now in Jesus, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, there's only the church. Now in Jesus, there's no longer an addict, there's no longer held bondage by sin, there's no longer rich, there's no longer poor, there's no longer black, there's no longer white, there is one new man in Christ. And that one new man is the church. The, the one new man that Jesus came to create and who we are collectively together is the church. See, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about church, but you've got to be careful when you talk about church, don't you? Because church is a, touch, uh, is a touchy subject, isn't it? I, uh, I put out on, uh, on Facebook and, and Twitter uh, earlier this week, I put this out and I just simply said, what comes to mind when you hear the word church? Not talking about summit particularly, but when you think about church in general, what comes to your mind? And man, instantly I, was just, I just got tons of responses of people that said some things that when they think of church, great things come to mind. Other people that when they think about church, horrible things come to mind. What comes to your mind? 
What comes to your mind when you think about church? Hey, maybe the thing that comes to your mind is the word irrelevant, right? Or, or, or maybe it's not the word irrelevant, maybe it's the word boring, right? Boring is what comes to my mind. Because maybe you were a part of a church or you went to church and their mission statement was, we will never change, right? If the 50s come back, we are ready, right? Have you been to that church, right? Boring. Jesus died and rose from the grave so that church could be boring. Maybe that's what you think when you think about church. Maybe it's not irrelevant or boring. Maybe what comes to your mind is judgmental, mean. What, what comes to your mind is, is that person in that church who said that to you, did that to you, and no one should have ever done that to you. And listen, I've pastored several churches. Some of the meanest people in my life are church. I've ever met are church people, right? Some of the meanest people. Listen, I've pastored churches that were deacon-possessed. You know what I'm saying? Just, just mean people, right? But listen, 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 listen. Whatever comes to your mind, if anything negative comes to your mind when you think about church, we did that to church, not God. Okay? You need to understand that. God didn't do that to church. We took church and made it irrelevant. We took church and made it boring. We took church and made it a place where mean people can come and celebrate their meanness. Right? We did that. God didn't do that. Or, or maybe you're here because I get this a lot. Maybe you're here and you think this. Hey, you know what? I don't need the church. I've got Jesus. Oh, man, is this what you're talking about today? Church, I don't need church, man. I've got Jesus. Church is available for people if they need it, but you know what? I've got Jesus. I don't really need church. I'm glad you brought that up. Let me ask you a question. If, if, if that was true, that you can have Jesus and you don't need the church, I oh, mean, I've got Jesus. I don't, I don't need the church. Hey, if that's true, why did Jesus die for the church? Why does Ephesians chapter 5 call Jesus, call, call the church, Jesus' bride? Some of you have been walking around talking about Jesus' woman in a bad way. Listen, I want to stand next to you when he confronts you about how you talked about his woman. Bad day for you, bro. Bad day for you, right? And listen, listen. Jesus only said this about the church. Jesus, talking about the church, said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus didn't say he was going to build Washington. Jesus didn't say he was going to build the economy. Jesus only said, I will build my church and hell won't even stop it. So that when the dust clears, the one organization that will remain and no one can touch is Jesus' bride, the church. You need it more than you think you need it. You need it so much so that he left heaven, put skin on, and died for it. And here's what he's done. He's taken flawed people like you and me, messed up people like all of us, brought us together and made us the church. Right? Some of you are here looking for the perfect church. I'm just looking for the perfect church today. Thank you very much. Listen, I've said this before. I've said this before. Hey, you know what? If you find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. Right? Don't, don't, don't join it. Listen, if you walk into church, it's perfect. Just leave quick because you're going to blow it. Right? Listen, listen, listen. Summit, Summit's not perfect. Summit's not perfect. And listen, look at the doofus that God called to start this thing. Right? Is Summit, is Summit got problems? Well, look at the moron. I mean, look how big his forehead is, man. You can tell. Oh, gosh, man. Yeah. It's not per 
Listen, the only thing about the only thing that's perfect about any church is the perfect Savior who bought us, made us His, and in spite of our flaws, He uses us anyway. That's who we are. We are the church. Church isn't simply something that you go to. It is who you are. When you leave today, church isn't over. Listen, at the end of this in just a few moments, you're not leaving the church. Instead, the church is leaving the building because you are the church. That's who we are. It's who we are. But listen, some of you are like, I don't know. I'm still looking for the perfect one, bro. Let me know how that goes. But listen, if the church is who we are, number two, he wants us to see what we do. Who we are is the church. And then he tells us what we do in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Look at this. All these verses are going to be up on the screen, all right? So if you're like, oh, this is a lot, it's right there behind me. Chapter 3, verse 10, it says this. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. See, he wants us to see you're the church and this is what you do. And when he says the manifold wisdom of God would be seen in, in the rulers and heavenly places, what he means is this, that the church would display Jesus everywhere it goes. Everywhere the church is, the church should display Jesus. Everywhere the church goes, everywhere you go and everywhere I go, the church should show the world what Jesus is like. That's why, that's why churches should be the most loving places on the planet because God is love. That's why churches should be full of grace because we have a God that's full of grace. That's why the doors to every church should be wide open, as wide as possible. And the sign out front should simply say this, Come, come with your issues, come with your baggage, come with the smell of what you did last night still on you. You come. Why? Because Jesus looks at us and he says, Come, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's why churches should look at people no matter where they are, no matter the issues in their life, no matter the struggles that they have, and churches should look at those people and say, you can change. There is hope. You're not stuck. Why? Because we have a Savior that's bigger than any issue and baggage that you've brought in the room with you today. The cross is greater than any issue in your life. You're not stuck. Why? Because Jesus is alive and you can change and there's hope. This is why churches, churches should do whatever it takes to reach people. Why? Because we've got a Savior who did whatever it took to reach us, right? Amen? We've got, listen, I've got a Savior in heaven who did whatever it took to make me His. you got a Savior in heaven who did whatever it took to make you His today. So churches should, should say, we will do whatever it takes. We're going to reach people. But see, not only churches together, not only churches together, because remember, we're the church. It's, it's you as an individual. When people see you, if you're a Christian, you got a relationship with Jesus, you're the church. When people see you at school... When people see you at work, when people see you in your neighborhood, when people see what you post on Facebook, hello, right? Did you know you're still a Christian on Facebook? Some of y'all just, that's that's all you need to hear. We don't need to see your pictures of the stuff, bro. You're like, right, right, you're a Christian, you're a Christian on Twitter. 140 characters, you're a Christian, right? Right? Listen, listen, listen. Wherever you go, wherever you go, you're his church. You're supposed to put Jesus on display. People should look at you and see Jesus. Here's my question. What do they see? What do they see? 
Because a lot of you can attest to this. Did you know that, that the moment that you claim that you're a Christian or you start to go to church, people start watching you, don't they? Right? And, and, and I don't mean watching you like in a stalking way. They're peeking through your blinds at night. What are you wearing? You know, like that. That's not what I mean. I just mean they're watching you to see this. Is it real? Saw you put on Facebook that you got saved at Summit a couple weeks ago. We'll see. Oh, you go to that church. Okay, we'll see. They're, they're just watching you to see if it's real. So, so who are you putting on display? You? Because they don't need to see you. None of you today need to see me. Right? Because Mark Combs saves nobody. I have, the, I have the power to change nobody's life. What every one of us in the room need to see today more than anything else is Jesus on display. When you leave, what do they see? When you leave, what are they going to see? At the restaurant. At the restaurant, what are they going to see? You clock in, you're in homeroom, you're at practice, wherever you are. What do they see? Because we're supposed to put him on display and show the world that he's real. And so you're hearing this and you're thinking, all right, well, if that's what we do, then how do we do that? If, if what we do is we put Jesus on display and people are supposed to see him in our lives, well, Mark, how do I do that? That's number three, and that's in, chap- that's in chapter four. Number three, the third thing you need to see this morning is how we do what we do. If who we are is the church and what we do is we put Jesus on display, well, then the last thing he wants us to see is how we do what we do. And that's in chapter 4. Look at what it says here. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of, what's the next word? Say it real loud. Thank you to the five people that did that. For building up the body of Christ. I love these verses, man. I love these verses. If you're praying about getting some verses tattooed, I would suggest these two. Let me just suggest these two verses. Get them tattooed wherever you want. These are solid, man. Solid stuff right here God's throwing at us. Here's what he's saying. All right, let's look at it again. He says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers. So here's what he means. Two churches, God gives leaders. So God's saying this. To every church, I've given pastors, leaders, teachers, evangelists, shepherds, so that they can do what? What did he say? So that they can do everything while you watch. Right? Amen? No, no. Some of you, you went to a church where the pastor did that, and you know what? He hates that church. Right? If he doesn't, his wife does. Trust me. His favorite verses in the Bible are when God comes to Moses in the book of Exodus and says, Moses, I'm going to kill them all. And Moses says, okay. <laughs> Sounds, I love the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what, he just prays it every day. God, just take them out. Just do it. Just loves it, right? Loves that verse. He's reading that every day for his devotion. That's not what it says. The ch- Listen, the most unbiblical thing that's ever happened in the church is a few people do everything. It's like, it's like there's a LeBron and everybody else is the supporting cast. You know what I'm saying? Right? He doesn't say that. Here's what he says. That God's given the church leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints. Now, we've got to figure that out. Who are the saints? A football team. Wrong. That's not the right answer. Who are the saints? The saints are you, if you're a Christian. 
God's telling you who you are. Remember, that's the series, brand new. That's why we're in this book. This book is on every, se- every sentence, every page. Who you are in Christ. He's giving you a label. You're a saint. Right there with all of your baggage, right there with all of your doubts, right there with all of your fear. God looks at you and says, you're a saint. Saint is not varsity Christianity. You're still on JV. Saint is a Christian, and if you're a Christian, you're a saint. Look at your neighbor and say, look at your neighbor, repeat after me. If you're a Christian, five people. Okay. I'm still looking for the perfect church. I will find out when you go there, and I will call them and tell them you are messing it up. Look at me. Okay, five people who are in with this, do this. If you're a Christian, you're a saint, and so am I, because that's what God says. If you feel it, you don't feel it, doesn't matter. What God says is true. Every man speaks against him as a liar. You're a saint in Christ, and here's what he says. Saints are supposed to do the ministry. So he says this, God's equipped every single church, and the purpose of that, what's supposed to happen in that church, is that the saints, or all the people that are in that church with a relationship with Jesus, every single one of them should do the ministry. Not, not a few, not 10%, 20%, not even 50%. God's vision is that 100% of the people in a church who claim Christ as their Savior would do the ministry. And here's what I mean when I say ministry, okay? Here's what I mean when I say ministry. Because I think a lot of times we think ministry, we think, you know, writing sermons, doing what I do, yelling at people, and ah, and all that stuff. But that's not ministry. Here's what ministry, when, 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 when he says ministry, think this. When he says ministry, think this. Making a difference. God's equipped every saint and called every saint to make a difference. He's called every saint to make a difference. But I think one of the reasons that we struggle with the idea of ministry and everybody doing it is because we talk about it wrong. In churches, we say things like this. Yeah, he was called to ministry. Have you ever heard that? He was called to ministry. That's wrong to say. I I quit saying that. Here's why. Because everyone is called to ministry. You are called to ministry. You are called to ministry. In fact, we've set you up today. You didn't know what this was going to happen, but this is going to happen. It's too late. We've locked all the doors. You can't get out. I'm about to ordain every person in the audience. It is going. You are going. What happened to church today? I got ordained. Pretty cool. Okay? I'm going to ordain you whether you like it or not. Okay? If you're in Christ, this is your ordination. Repeat after me out loud. I am called to ministry. Let's give it up for our ordination candidates. That's all it is. Thank you very much. Because listen, listen, listen. It's not that there's certain people that are called, certain people that are not called. Some people are called to what's called vocational ministry, meaning that's what they do all the time. That's me. This is what I do. Not standing in the forum yelling, because that'd get weird, because most times this is empty. But just, just this, is, this is why I get paid to do this. But listen, if you're a teacher... You've been called to ministry. Just so happens that the field of your ministry is the school where you teach. You're a stay-at-home parent. You've been called to ministry. It just so happens that the field of your ministry is wherever you live. Wherever you are, middle school, high school student, young adult, senior adult, wherever you are, that's your field of ministry. You've been called by God to make a difference. And so listen, listen. 
let's get extremely practical. This is exactly why every single service, we always take about a minute or two out of every service to point you to the back of your connection card so that you can see opportunities where you can serve. In fact, let's all do this. If you've got a connection card, I want you to grab your connection card right now. Some of you are like, what's he mean? I mean to bend over or wherever it is and grab it and look at it. Okay? All right? So if you were to translate what I'm saying right now in Greek, it would say, get your connection card. All right? So get your connection card because I want you to look at it. I want you to look at this with me. Because every single week, we always take a minute or two to point out to you opportunities where you can serve. And you can see on the back, I would like to volunteer to serve in the following areas. And here's why we do that. Because God's given you spiritual gifts that he wants you to use in the local church to make a difference. God's given you spiritual gifts that he wants you to use in the local church to make a difference. And so you can see there's several areas right there where you can check a box right now and get on the team, put a jersey on, and make a difference. And here's here's this. Here's this. I'm laying my cards on the table, right? This is me this morning letting it out. I believe every Christian in the room, every person who is in Christ, who's got Jesus as their Savior, I believe every person in the room right now should serve. I believe every person in the room right now should serve. Amen. That's right. That's exactly right. Summit, get fired up. I believe, I believe every person in the room right now that's in Christ should serve. And I mean this with all sincerity. Why? Because I love you. Okay? We're going to unpack this in a minute, but I love you by what I'm about to say. If you're here and you say, well, I, I wouldn't serve in this church, find a church where you will. Okay? Because at the end of the day, it's about the big church, not the little church of Summit. A lot of you are wearing Summit shirts. When we get to heaven, nobody wears Summit shirts. We all wear Jesus shirts. Okay? Did you know this? Right? Right? So listen, listen, listen. If you won't serve here, find the church where you will serve because listen, listen, listen. If, if, if we don't live a life where, where the position of our life is, I want to make a difference, well, then we're just going to miss what God wants to do in our lives. That's why I love that the band sang right before I came out, God's not dead, He's alive, and His Spirit is alive inside of us, roaring like a lion. And the Spirit inside of us roars to make a difference. And if you're here and you claim to be a Christian and there is nothing inside of you that's tracking with what I'm throwing right now, nothing inside of you that wants to make a difference, nothing inside of you that wants God to use your life, you need to check your conversion. You should not leave the forum today, man, until that desire is in your heart. And I mean it with everything I got. Don't leave until that's right with God. But on this card, tons of opportunities for you to serve. Summit Kids. Summit Kids. You can get on board with Summit Kids. Every single week we have about 50 to 60 uh, Summit Kids volunteers. Last week, I think, I think we had in one area, one area, we had like 38, 39 kids and one or two leaders. If those 38, 39 kids says, we're taking this over, follow me, all right? And they're all like, got your back, bro, got your back. They could take it over. It might be happening right now. And some of your kids are shady. It's probably going down. If you smell smoke, one of your kids is burning it down. All right? Right? I can't teach kids. Just be a warm body back there. And men, you should do this. Kids is not a ladies only area. It's a people with a pulse who love Jesus area. Because there's a lot of those kids who are going home today and what they need more than anything is a godly male influence and you're it. You're it. You're it. 
You can serve, you can serve in flight, our preteen ministry. You can serve in summit student ministries. Our 6th through 12th grade ministry meets every single Wednesday. You can serve in guest services, smiling people who greet you when you walk through the door. You can, you can serve in set up and tear down. You can check a box and get in the game and serve. And I'm telling you this, just that one act, just that one act alone can take your relationship with Jesus to another level. Take your relationship with Jesus to another level. In fact, I'd say this. 2013 can be the best year of your life, but it won't be apart from you saying, I want to make a difference. And this is just a small step to you positioning your life and saying, I want to make a difference. And see, because because here, here, here's what I need you to know. I'm trying to be careful here. I'm trying to be careful. But here's what I need you to know. I'm not trying to guilt anybody into checking a box, okay? And listen, listen, listen. I went to seminary. I have degrees in guilt, okay? I know how to make people feel bad, okay? But I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad today because, listen, I don't want anything from you, but I want everything for you. I don't want anything from you today, but I want everything for you. I want you to experience everything God has for you. I want you and your family to experience every blessing God has from you. But listen, you will never experience God's best apart from service. You won't do it. You won't do it. In fact, in fact, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way. I'll say it this way. Here's the one thing that I know about every person in the room. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist. It doesn't matter if you, you, know, you come to Summit every single week. Here's what I know is true about every person in the room. You want to live a great life, don't you? You want to live a great life, don't you? Let me ask you, how many people in the room want to live a great life? My hand's up. My hand's up. Some of y'all hands ain't up. Liars. Lying in church. You want to live a great life? Put your hands down. That's right. You, you want to live a great life? Of course you want to live a great life. That's why you bought the bigger TV. I'm not knocking it, right? Of course you want a great life. That's why you're already planning your summer vacation. Of course you want a great life. That's why you're pushing your kids to make those decisions and go to that school and go into that career. You want a great life. And you know what Jesus says? That's good. You should want a great life. In fact, I don't know if you knew this or not, but in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, Jesus tells us how we can have a great life. I think we're even going to bring it up here on the screen. Look at what it says. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your what? Jesus says, you want to be great? You want to live a great life? You can. Be a servant. Make a difference. Put yourself in a position to where God can use you to make a difference. And I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, just a small step towards that is checking one of those boxes and serving. You should do it. You should do it today. You should put the jersey on. You should get in the game. But listen, listen, listen. Let me say this, and I mean it with all sincerity. Because a lot of people know this sermon was coming, so I've been coached in doing this sermon. I was told to say the specific part. If you're only going to check a box because you feel bad, don't do it. Because when you check a box, here's what we think. You're going to do what you check. We are going to call you. Okay? We're going to follow up. We're going to assume that you have really committed to what you're committed to. So listen, if you just feel bad, then don't check it. Because listen, here's this. Hear, hear this. If you just feel bad, don't check anything. Why? Because guilt is a lot like gas. Eventually, it passes. Right? Right? If you just feel bad, hey, bro, it's like gas. Eventually, you just let it all go. Right? So hey, if you just feel bad, don't do it. If you, hey, you know what, I'm going to check this just to get this monkey off my back, but I ain't going to do it. Well, then don't do it. Don't do it. But I'm telling you, right now, in your lap on a card is a small decision that can radically change your life. 
by you putting yourself in the position of saying, God, use my life to make a difference. But see, not only here, at church. It's wherever you go. At school. At school. What if every student in the room put themselves in a position to say, God, I want to make a difference at my school. Then no teacher and no facilitator, nobody that works in any school district whatsoever can stop the movement of God when students step up and say, I will make a difference. What if every single person where you worked, where you worked, stepped up and said, I will make a difference. Wherever God's put you, that's where he wants to use you. And wherever you work, what if you said, I will make a difference? Then this region would see a movement of God that we've never seen before. But it starts when God's people put themselves in a position to say, God, I want to make a difference. Because the world is dark, isn't it? We... We live, we live in a dark place, don't we? There isn't a person in this room that hasn't been impacted by addiction. There isn't a family in this room that can't tell a story. Downturn in the economy, layoffs, unemployment. What are we going to do? This place is going to be a ghost town. There's no hope. This place is dark, and in the midst of the darkness is the light of the world. The church. The church. It is dark. Somebody should do something, and Jesus says, it's in your court. Summit, listen to me. Listen to me. God hasn't put us here to have a bunch of inspirational services, sing some songs, hear some sermons, and go home. God's put us here to make a difference. God's put us here to make a difference. God's put us here to make a difference. But that difference is only going to come by all of us stepping up and saying, God, here's my life. Use me to make a difference. Let's pray. Let's pray right now. Father, I thank you so much that who we are is not who we used to be. That for, for so many people in the room, exactly what we saw in Ephesians 2 is true about our lives. Who we were, but now in Christ we are changed. We're forgiven, we're set free, and we're the church. And Jesus, you left heaven to make a difference, and you made the biggest difference. The world has been changed. The world is divided. It's divided between, between the time before your coming and after your death. You put a dividing line in history. You put a dividing line in the world. It's a significant moment. And you came to make a difference. And you've saved us. And you've called us to do the same. To make a difference. There is no time to play church. There is no time to wish somebody else would do what we are called to do. Now is the time. Now is the day. To step up in Jesus for us to be who you say that we are, the church. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, here is, here is my question. And I'm talking to Christians first. I want to talk to my Christians first in the room, okay? Let me get the lights to come down just a little bit more. I just want you to feel complete freedom today. Complete freedom. Complete freedom to make any decision that you want to make. 
But here's what I would say. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you're in Christ and God has spoken to you today and you're looking at your life wherever you are and wherever you're at, you're saying, I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference in my school. I want to make a difference where I work. I'm a Christian and I want Jesus to use my life. Jesus, I want to make a difference wherever I am. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now if that's you. I want to make a difference. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. If that's you, you've got a relationship. I want to make a difference. Raise your hand right now. Hands are going up all over the room. Listen, if you raise your hand, if you raise your hand right there where you sit, you just begin to talk to God and say, God, use me to make a difference. Use me to make a difference. But maybe some of you are here and you didn't raise your hand because there's something in your life blocking you from making a difference. There's something in your life, maybe you, you, you need prayer about it over. There's something going on inside of you and you know and God know that, that you're struggling. You're not doing well. You're not even thinking about making a difference. You're wondering if you're going to throw in the towel. And listen, if that's you today, if that's you today, and God's putting his finger on something in your life saying, hey, you know what, you need to deal with that today. That needs to be an issue. That needs to be something that goes in your life. Or you just need prayer today. I want you to get up out of your seat and make your way to the back. You're here, you've got a relationship with Jesus, but you're saying, you know what, I could use some prayer. I could use some encouragement. I want you to get up out of your seat, and I want you to go back, and I want you to talk to somebody. The back right now is filled with people who want to talk to you. Maybe God's laid somebody on your heart that he wants you to make a difference in your life, and it's freaking you out. You should get up right now. You should go talk to him. You just get up and go. You just get up and go right now. You just get up and go right now. But some of you are here, and you've never given your life to Jesus. That, that but now in Christ dividing line moment has never happened in your life. Never happened. Today is the day. Right now is when God has brought you here for that moment to happen. If you're here and you want to give your life to Christ today, you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, I'm just going to pray a prayer. And these are not magic words, but this is between you and God. And right there where you sit, you pray this prayer. You say this, Dear Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. Make all things new in my life. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for coming back from the dead for me. I give my life to you. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, did you just pray that prayer? Did you just ask Jesus to step into your life and to change the story of your life? Did you just begin a relationship with him? Or you want to begin a relationship with him? Here's what I would challenge you to do. If you just prayed that prayer, you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to count to three. As soon as I say three, raise your hand up. Nobody's looking around. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now. If you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, if that's you, you'd say, today is the day I want that significant moment to occur in my life. You raise your hand right now if that's you. But some of you are here, and you know that God is tugging on your heart to make a decision you can make right there in your seat. You need to serve. You need to use the gifts that he's given you. You need to step up and to put a jersey on and get in the game. And if you haven't checked the box yet on the back of that card, you should do it. You should do it. And in just a moment, as you leave, our guest service volunteers... We'll be all throughout the auditorium with baskets. You just drop those cards in the basket and say, today I'm making that commitment. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you've made us the church. When we leave in just a moment, the church leaves the building because we're the church. We are the ones that you've called to make a difference. We're the ones you've called 
to be salt and light. And so God, I pray that today you have moved people to check a box and you've moved people to serve and to get in the game. God, I pray that you've moved people to to open their eyes to see the opportunities that are around them to make a difference. God, use us for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church, let's thank God for what he's done today. And let's thank God that we get to be his people in the midst of a dark world. Now, here's what I'm asking you to do because our guest service people are getting in place. We're about to dismiss you. I want you to take your card and give us any information you're willing to on the front. uh, Name, phone, best way to contact you. And listen, if you want to volunteer, I'm asking you to do it. Check the box and turn that in on the way out. If you've got questions about volunteering... Here's what I would say to you. Why don't you visit the next step booth that's out there in the lobby on your way out? Just ask any question that you want. In fact, I'd say this. Next Sunday, next Sunday we're doing something we've never done before, trying something new this year. If this is your second, third time you've been to Summit, you've got a lot of questions about who we are and that sort of thing, right after the morning worship experience, next Sunday, right here in this room, we're doing a 15-minute gathering called First Step. I want to meet you. A lot of our leaders want to meet you. And if you have any questions at all, you just stick around. It's going to be 15 minutes. That's it. It's called First Step to help you to figure out how to get plugged in and to grow here. But if you're saying, how can I get plugged in today? Simplest, quickest way. Check a box, get in the game, and volunteer. Hey, Summit, love you guys. Let's stand. And hey, if you're a first-time guest with us, make sure to indicate that on your card. And as you leave today... Out there to, in the lobby to the right, we've got a free gift for every first-time guest in the, in the room today. And if, you want to, if you're saying, Yo, you know what, is there anything else I can do this week? Hey, some of you should get in a life group. We kicked off life groups this past week, had over 100 people in life groups. You should be one of those people. They start tonight, all this week, get on our website, see the schedule. Hey, love you guys. Our band's playing us out today. See you next week.